You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. So if you've been following um, our series, J.D. started a couple of weeks ago with Peacemaker, and he started with, um, you know, Peace begins with having peace with your heavenly father, having peace with God himself. And you can't have peace um, in other areas of your life if you don't actually have peace with your maker, with your, your creator, your father. And then he talked about peace within the self. And I thought it was so profound last week that he uh, paralleled this, this peace, that peace is activated through faith in what we know and not imagination. See, faith is belief. And faith in Christ is a solid belief that we have. Imagination, on the other hand, will make you wander and waver. But imagination will lead you to what ifs. But faith is not imagining. Faith is standing on truth. Right? And the truth of of Jesus Christ, the solid truth, you know, and that truth will anchor you. And that truth will give you peace. And so he talked about having peace within yourself. And so that is also important because you cannot have peace with others if you are in turmoil inside yourself. And so um, he, he touched on that. And if you haven't, let me encourage you, if you haven't listened to any of the um, other parts of, of Peacemaker, please go and listen to it because they build off of each other. But it's so important to understand that foundationally we need, we need to have peace with God, peace with ourselves, so that then we can have peace with others. Today we're going to talk, like I said, about having peace within our close relationships. So that is at home, that is with your immediate family, that is with the friends that you hang around very often. So having peace in those relationships. Um, So there are two things I want you to leave with this morning. I want you to leave with the how and the why. Tell a friend next to you how and why. How and why. How you will be a peacemaker in your relationships And why you should want to be a peacemaker in your relationships. So we're going to start with the how today. We've heard it said that familiarity breeds contempt. It's a common saying and people say this often. Which basically means that it's having an extensive knowledge or close association to something or someone will lead you to lose respect for them. That's what that means. So being close, essentially being close to someone will make you feel less respect for them. And you know, I was thinking about that because that is not how God created us. He did not create us to be close to people and lose respect. In fact, in Genesis 2.25, the Bible tells us that they were both, they as in Adam and Eve, they were both naked, man and wife, and were not ashamed. Which tells me that they were close. Now, yes, they were naked in clothing, but they were also naked as, 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 it, as it pertains to their soul. They were vulnerable. They were open. There were no secrets. They were not hiding. They were in complete clo- closeness and belonging. And they did not have contempt. They did not have this familiarity thing that breeds contempt, right? They didn't have that. So that tells me that this is a distorted idea. This is actually evil and disturbing that as we get close to people, we actually like them less. Like that's not right. So instead of, so what happens is as we get close to people, we often begin to wall up. 
We begin to hide, to protect ourselves, to isolate. Um, and we weren't designed to do that. We weren't designed to isolate from people. We were designed to have close relationships. And so what happens when we isolate is we become, we become sick in our souls. Because there's this separation and this thing that we're doing and we're closing ourselves up when we weren't supposed to. So we want to expose that lie today. We want to expose it because peace is not the absence of relationships. Peace is not suppressing your feelings and your needs and always giving in to other people so that you don't have contention, so that you're not fighting all the time. That's not real peace. So peace is having relationships and, having, and, and being fully engaged in relationships. Right? Being, we, we were meant to be fully engaged and still in peace. So you will find that the strategy um, of, or of not fighting, of, I, okay, I'm going to stay in peace in my relationship, so I'm not going to fight. You'll, you'll find that that strategy is very short-lived. It's very short-lived because when you're suppressing your feelings just in order not to fight and keep the peace, what happens is somebody is like a ticking time bomb, ticking time bomb ready to explode in any minute, and the other individual will begin to feel disconnected. Right? And so you will find that if we don't actually address things, you won't have peace. Right? You will feel, um, you will feel anxiety and pressure and things inside. And then you'll lose peace with yourself as well. So peace in relationships means dealing with disagreements. It means facing relational challenges head on. So how? I told you we're going to talk about the how. How do we get close to people while, com while completely being ourselves? How do we disagree and remain in peace? So today I want to give you a strategy because I believe that the kingdom of God is very strategic. And I want to give you a strategy for peacemaking because there are steps that we can take. Actual steps so that we could be peacemakers in our relationships. So I'm going to start with the first one. And the first one, the first thing we need to learn is to hear. We are very, very, very good at talking. Not so good at hearing. And oftentimes what happens is when somebody is telling us what's actually going on, we are not listening to them. We are already forming a rebuttal in our minds. They are talking to us and I already have the answer. Stop talking because I know what you need. Right? We're good at just formulating our answers and giving our opinions. It's, it's almost as if we want to win the conversation. But in a good relationship, there is no win or lose. Right? There is discussion and there's conversation. So the first step to being a peacemaker is to actually hear what they're saying. Hear what the person is saying to you. The second step is to understand I find that often when people are having conflict, it, it could be a matter of two things. One, it's just a communication issue. They're not actually understanding what the person is trying to say. So you need to seek to understand. Or um, sometimes they don't, they're not, it's either miscommunication or they're not hearing them right. So, my, so what I, tr I tell people to do is for in order to establish whether you understood what they were saying to you, repeat to them what you heard. Okay, so what I'm hearing you say is this. And at that point, you'll get clarity on whether you heard it right or um, it was just, a, you know, a miscommunication. Maybe you didn't hear, they didn't say it in a way that you understood it. 
correctly. Okay? So step three, the next thing you need to do is meditate. Okay, meditate on what was actually told to you. Don't spit out your first reaction. Think about it. Put yourself in their shoes. Why would they say what they're saying? Where, what's their background? What, where are they coming from with this idea? What, I mean, how did they grow up? Sometimes, you know, their whole upbringing has made them think a certain way. And it's not that they're trying to be mean or evil or coming at you with some things. Maybe they don't know any better. Maybe it's a matter of you placing yourself in their shoes and actually seeing things through their eyes. And trying to get to, you know, why would they think that way? The next thing you do is you identify. Identify, and what do I mean by that? I mean, what is actually bothering you? Go, go beyond the words that have just been t said to you. Go beyond to what is actually bothering you. And will this thing that is bothering you matter in a few months? Will it matter in a few years? Because sometimes we get stuck in arguing about little things that won't matter in a few days. But yet we got so caught up in the emotion. We got so caught up in, you know, what was said to us that we didn't actually process the, the, the weight of the thing as opposed to the relationship. So meditate, identify, identify, I'm in the next one. <laughs> um, the next step you take is you let go, okay? Forgiveness is imperative, whether this relationship will remain or not. Whether, you know, this, the, whether this issue is solved or not solved, forgiveness is not something you can bypass. We never move on from an issue when we harbor unforgiveness. We don't move on. It will go with you for the rest of your life. And so the next step for you is you need to learn to forgive. You need to learn to whatever it was, I'm going to deal with this issue. Okay, I'm going to deal with it, but I'm going to forgive first. I'm going to let go. I'm going to let go of the pain. I'm going to let go of whatever it might have, you know, caused inside. Unforgiveness will detain your life. Don't get caught in that step. The next thing you need to do is inform. Inform. After having done all the processing and after having forgiven the person, you need to go back and talk to them. Because things that are left un solved tend to create barriers in relationships right things that are left un, un, like unspoken it's like these like little like leeches that start you know attaching and then all of a sudden it became a storm it became this huge you know thing that you don't even know how to deal with anymore so you go back and you inform the person what you felt Tell them, hey, this is, you know, how I received this. This is the conclusion I came up with. This is how I feel this affects me. Go back and take your stance with respect and love. But take your stance. Because, again, you must also be heard. Right? And so you don't just leave the issue to the side. Okay, I've done all the processing. Now, if, it, if you got to that point after forgiveness and you thought, you know, this was really about me. There was an issue in my heart. The person didn't do anything wrong. They didn't say anything. And you feel like you can release it on your own. Great. But if you need to go back and talk about it and get a little more clarity or solve things, go back. Don't leave it at that. Because that will also um, occupy space in your heart and it will eventually be detrimental to the relationship the next step is trust I'm going to tell you something it's important to establish when you have conflict in relationships as 
you know, th we're thinking about this as being peacemakers. But I want to tell you something that it's important to establish whether this person remains someone you can trust. Okay? Now, forgiveness and trust are very different things. Just because we forgive does not mean trust has not been affected. And we need to understand that the Bible teaches us in Proverbs 4.23 that above all things, we should guard our hearts for everything flows from it. And it is not wise to be, to, for your trust to be violated and you do nothing about it. That's not wise. Wisdom will teach you that once trust has been violated, boundaries that need to be reset. And that has nothing to do with forgiveness. Forgiveness we give freely. We forgive because we have been forgiven. We give freely. Okay? But boundaries and respect sometimes need to be reset. And relationships do lose trust. Okay? And it's okay to set up boundaries. That is wisdom. So learn, establish that in your journey. Establish that in that relationship, I should say. Whether trust needs to be um, evaluated and if boundaries need to now be established. And the last thing about being a peacemaker that I want to address in the how is that you yield. Cease to argue about it. I know people who are stuck in the same issue for years, 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 and years. And it's the same problem with that same person and they could just not, they can't seem to find an end or a solution to it. And I want to encourage you this morning that you either agree to disagree or you let it go. Okay, let it go. Do not stay playing the same chord year after year after year. That is, that will hinder you again from growth. That will hinder that relationship from growing. It is okay to have different stances and different um, ideas on certain things. It's okay. Move on. You can be friends with people and not be 100% on the same page about everything. Right? So take a look again at our strategy. I want to point out something to you. Our strategy for peacemaking is what? Next slide. Humility. Our strategy. Oh, go back. I'm sorry. I, I saw the other one. <laughs> um, then our strategy for peacemaking is humility. This is what um, peacemakers are called to be. Humble people. Humility unlocks the door to lasting peace. As God's people, it is our mandate. It tells us in Colossians 3, 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and peace. And I would venture to say that humility is kind of like the anchor on those two, on all those, um, on all those kindness, gentleness, and um, compassion. Because you kind of need humility for all of it, right? You need, you need some form of humility to be compassionate and to have kindness and gentleness and peace. So close yourselves. So I told you, first we were going to tell you the how, right? That is the how. Our strategy is humility. That's the strategy. Now I'm going to tell you why. Why you want, why you should want to be a peacemaker. Tell your friend why. Why? Why? I'm going to take you to a story that Jesus um, shared with his disciples. It's found in Matthew 18, uh, verse 21 through 35. And I'm reading out of the Passion Translation, which, by the way, side note, it's one of my favorite translations now. If you are looking for a new translation in the Bible, TPT. 
throwing it out there. Um, I'm gonna, it's a little long, so follow with me this story. Matthew 18, verse 21 through 35. Later, Peter approached Jesus and said, How many times do I have to forgive my fellow believers, believer who keeps offending me? Seven times? Now, Peter here thought he was like being like the man by saying seven times. Like that's a lot of times, right? And then Jesus comes back to him and says, Not seven times, Peter, but 70 times seven times. The lessons of forgiveness in heaven's kingdom realm can be illustrated like this. There once was a king who had servants who had borrowed money from the royal treasury. He decided to settle accounts with each of them. As he began the process, it came to his attention that one of his servants owed him $1 billion. Say $1 billion. That's a lot of money. So he summoned the servant before him and said to him, pay me what you owe me. When his servant was unable to repay his debt, the king ordered that he be sold as a slave along with his wife and children and every possession they owned as payment toward his debt. The servant threw himself face down at his master's feet and begged for mercy. Please be patient with me. Just give me more time and I will repay you all that I owe. Upon hearing his pleas, the king had compassion on his servant and released him and forgave his entire debt. No sooner had the servant left when he met one of his fellow servants who owed him $20,000. Say $20,000. So two different people here. He seized him by the throat and began to choke him, saying, You'd better pay me right now everything you owe me. His fellow servant threw himself face down at his feet and begged Please be patient with me. If you'll give me time, I will repay all that, that is owed. But the one who had his debt forgiven stubbornly refused to forgive what was owed him. He had his fellow servant thrown in prison and demanded he remain there until he repaid the debt in full. When his associates saw what was going on, they were outraged and went to the king and told him the whole story. The king said to him, you scoundrel. Is this the way you respond to my mercy? Because you begged me. I forgave you the massive debt that you owed me. Why didn't you show the same mercy to your fellow servant that I showed to you? In a fury of anger, the king turned him over to the prison guards to be tortured until all his debt was repaid. In the same way, my heavenly father will deal with any of you if you do not release forgiveness from your heart toward a fellow believer. Now, I don't know about you, but every time I read this story, it puts me right back in my place, right? It puts me right back in my place. We can be so quick to demand what is rightfully ours, forgetting that what was rightfully ours was death, right? We tend to judge other people by what they do, and yet we, tend, we uh, judge ourselves by, by, what's, by our intentions. The measuring is not the same. Right? We're so quick to say, but they owe me, but they did this, but they did that, but they did. And we're so, like, so quick to judge. But we have been given such grace and offered such kindness. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, J.D. gave a beautiful explanation here of what the cross meant and why Jesus had to die. See, that was our sentence. 
He died because that was the verdict upon our lives, that we had, had broken covenant. We have broken relationship. And so the price of that was death. And so Jesus took on our verdict, right, our sentence, while we were still sinners. So not after we became good, not after we did everything out, right, not after we paid our debt, while we were still sinners, while we were perpetually in the wrong, while we were in disharmony with God, he loved us. 1 John 4.19 tells us that we are even able to love because he first loved us. So why should we be peacemakers? Why should that be a mandate on our lives? Why should that be something we strive to do? Because God made peace with us. Because if God had not, where would you be? Had God not made peace with you before, before you got it right, where would you be? I don't know about you, but knowing that God loved me, makes me, or loved me before I could love him. Knowing that he forgave me before I could ask for forgiveness makes me want to go back and, and respond to his mercy with mercy. It makes me want to respond like the king said, you scoundrel, is this the way you respond to my mercy? I don't know about you, but I look into my life and I go, God, you have forgiven me. You have been so kind to me. Your love has been so amazing. You have been so gracious. My only response is to respond with mercy. There is no other. See, the understanding of what Jesus did for you should lead you to feel empathy for others. The understanding, the absolute gratitude for what God has done for you. His love and his forgiveness of your mess-ups, right? We ought to be humble. We ought to walk in humility and offer the same kindness and the same grace to those around us. We as God's chosen people are called to offer the same grace we have been so kindly and freely given. Like we were singing this, you know, reckless love song, and we don't deserve it. And there was nothing we did to earn it. Because remember, it was before we could. Before we could do anything. We didn't do anything to earn it. We don't deserve it. We are the one billion dollar servant who have been forgiven much. And I'm going to end with this. I'm going to call the band up. Um, let's be the kind of people who walk in humility. The kind of people who will go the extra mile to understand, to see people, and to give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's be the kind of people who are quick to forgive and give grace to those who need it most. Let's be the kind of people who understand that had God not done it for us, where would we be? As children of God, we need to understand that it was freely given to us and only because he gave it to us are we even free. And so that freedom should lead us to offer freedom to others. Now, everyone is on a journey. Can you remember that? Everybody's on a journey. Everybody has pain. Everybody has a story. 
Everybody has a past. Everybody comes from a different background. Would you extend love to them whether they deserve it or not? Would you, would you extend understanding? Would you extend forgiveness? Would you be the person that God has designed you to be, the peacemaker that is able to offer love and kindness whether others deserve it or not? See, I want to ask you to stand. Matthew 5, 9 tells us this. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Children of God. Remember, children of God, that we are called to clothe ourselves with humility. That's our why. Our why is because Jesus brought us back to the Father. He was the ultimate peacemaker. Our why is because had he not done it for us, where would we be? Our why is because that is our call as children of God to live in humility. And humility will lead you to understand that no one is above or below you. No one is above or below. We're all in this. And we all have our things. And we all carry our baggage. But we are all loved. And we are all special. And we are all deserving of grace and kindness. And we are called to live with that in our hearts. Now I'm going to ask. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that God would give us a tender heart to those mostly around us. That our story would not be familiarity breeds contempt. But instead, that familiarity brings unity. Because where there's unity, God commands the blessing, right? That familiarity would bring more respect, more that we would be able to look at those that are around us in our homes and close relationships and believe in them more than they believe in themselves. That we'd be able to be their cheerleaders and offer them hope and, and purpose and help them find fulfillment in what God has placed in them. That we would be able to see in them when they cannot see. Because familiarity means we are in this together. We're in the bond of unity. Right? We are called to be other people's cheerleaders. That's our job. We're not here to cast anybody down. We're not here to tell them what they need to hear. We're not here to, you know, put them in their place. No, we're here to encourage. We're here to uplift. We're here to bring peace. And we're here to say, you know what? You're going to become what God designed you to become. And if you need help, I'm with you along the way. That's what we're here to do. So let's pray.